The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and James McDonald. Tonight on Fast, hidden gems in the record rally. The chart master has three names to bet on for a breakout, even as stocks hit all-time highs. Plus, a pinprick, Pinterest, handing in its worst day since November. How are traders are playing this pullback and later TikTok takedown? But we spotted on the App Store that is a fresh sign of the times in the retail trading boom. But we start off with that record rally on Wall Street. The S&P climbing 1.4% this week, boosted by a strong start to earnings season, closing at a new all-time high. Take a look at the massive moves and some big names. Freeport McMoran up more than 12% this week. PPG and NVIDIA seeing their biggest gains in months. Tesla, Wells Fargo also leading the pack. So as we wrap up a big week for stocks, how do you set yourself up for Monday on the eve of a very big week in earnings? Tim, what do you say? Well, one of the keys to this week was that, you know, effectively we've had a 25 basis point pullback in bond yield. So mm -hmm. in a week when we also had incredible economic data, we had retail sales numbers, uh, which were significantly stronger than expected. And initial jobless claims, uh, the, the uh, New York Empire surveys, some of the other ISM numbers. So um, I think investors need to be looking for the cyclical stories. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing about this market is the breadth is really been as as strong as we've seen at any point of this rally. And I'm not sure where you're going to want to say this rally began. But, um, you know, it, it, certainly over the last year and a half at different times, we've struggled with rotation and which sectors cyclical versus uh, growth versus value, et cetera. So um, the exciting part about this week was as we got economic uh, reinforcement on the economy, we got uh, at least a sense that some of those cyclicals could rally. And meanwhile, mega cap tech might have been the story of this week, if you think of the moves across the, the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, I mean, this week proved that cats and dogs, dogs can live together, thanks to a low tenure <laughs> yield, Steve Grasso. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that, that's an important point. I was, uh, found myself nodding in agreement to uh, when Tim was saying that the breadth of the market we look back to where the outperformance of value has outperformed uh, the, the mega cap tech or growth complex. It, it's interesting. Look at the chart. Uh, Greenlight actually put out a chart uh, with, their, uh, with their holders, their investor letter, that showed that the outperformance of the mega cap tech or growth has outperformed since the financial crisis. Now you get this blip where value has outperformed. But it's just that, Melissa. It's this tiny little, uh, it's not even a hockey stick, right? It's the beginnings of a hockey stick, which means to me that there's much more of a runway for value to outperform. Mm -hmm. But to Tim's point, if everything is working now, then the most uh, non-consensus view is that, well, I said it the other day when we were talking about Tony Dwyer, 
when he was taking some chips off the table as, as a little bit of a strategic move. I think the thing that screws most people up here or that upsets the cart is if we go much higher. I'm looking for the S&P to go to 4,500, which is about 7% higher. Wow. If it does a back check to the 50-day moving average, we're looking at a 4% drop. I think risk-reward stay along the market. So here's what's interesting about tonight's panel. We've got Brian Kelly and James McDonald on the same night. And I think James has surpassed Brian Kelly in bearishness. He is now the owner of the bear suit, zipped up nice and snug, James. So you've been predicting a decline in the markets for a long time. And here we are sitting at records. What happened to your thesis? Have you reevaluated or are you still loaded for a, a pullback? Well, thank you for the question. And it's an honor to surpass BK in anything. This is a obviously a dubious honor. Uh, you know, what I underestimated was the power of the Fed and the power of economic empowerment for, uh, for consumers. When we look at data over uh, decades and decades and decades and compare where markets can go, uh, there's a presumption of normalized monetary policy. There's a presumption of normalized uh, evaluation of risk with regard to earnings, debt, uh, and employment. And we saw an evisceration of earnings uh, an increase of debt to all-time records, uh, and obviously a catastrophic blow uh, to employment. What we did not calculate was the power uh, of the government to provide paychecks to people, to provide income, and to provide uh, comfort that whatever it took to do uh, to protect the economy and to propel um, you know, our mm -hmm. ability to go to work at some point, uh, they would do. And so we far underestimated the power of the government. If we had created a scenario uh, before okay. COVID where Sorry to interrupt. Uh, every American Sorry to got interrupt. a paycheck. We are going to go to the White House, to the Rose Garden, where President Biden and the Prime Minister of Japan have just held a meeting. Let's listen in. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The prime minister's brought the sun out. So we can do about anything. Mr. Prime Minister, thank you for being here. It's been my pleasure to welcome Prime Minister Suga to the White House. This is our first in-person meeting here, the first head of state that I've asked in my administration to, uh, to come to the White House. Yoshi, thank you for making the long trip to Washington. We've already met several times virtually on, at a G7 
uh, meeting and a Quad Leaders Summit, but I greatly appreciate the chance to spend time with you in person and to make our exchange our ideas face-to-face. There's no substitute for face-to-face discussions. We are still uh, talking, taking COVID precautions, being careful, but our commitment to meet in person uh, is indicative of the importance, the value we both place on this relationship between Japan and the United States, this partnership. We had a very productive discussion today. When nations as close as ours get together, we always look for operations and opportunities to do more. And today was no exception. So, Yoshi, you'll probably be seeing a lot more of me in the future. Today, Prime Minister Suga and I affirmed our ironclad support for U.S.-Japanese alliance and for our shared security. We committed to working together to take on the challenges from China and on issues like the East China Sea, the South China Sea, as well as North Korea, to ensure a future of a free and open Indo-Pacific. Japan and the United States are two strong democracies in the region, and we're committed. We're committed to defending and advancing our shared values, including human rights and the rule of law. We're going to work together to prove that democracies can still compete and win in the 21st century. We can deliver for our people and the face of a rapidly changing world. So today, we're announcing a new competitive and reliance partnership, CORE, between Japan and the United States that will enhance our ability, enhance our ability to meet the pressing challenges of our time, together meet those challenges. Top of our agenda is, of course, getting the pandemic under control and helping our friends and neighbors throughout the Indo-Pacific region to recover. Earlier this year, we, together with India and Australia, launched the landmark Quad Vaccine Partnership to expand the manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccines and assist countries throughout the region with vaccination efforts. And we agreed to enhance our support for global vaccination efforts through the ACT Accelerator and COVID facility. We're also going to do more beyond this pandemic to advance longer-term goals for health security reform of the World Health Organization, and establishing a new partnership, a new partnership on health security to build better preparedness for the next pandemic, because there will be others. Secondly, Japan and the United States are both deeply invested in innovation and looking to the future. That includes making sure we invest in and protect the technologies that will maintain and sharpen our competitive edge. And those technologies are governed by shared democratic norms that we both share, norms set by democracies, not by autocracies. So we're going to work together across a range of fields, from promoting secure and reliable 5G networks to increasing our cooperation on supply chains for critical sectors like semiconductors, to driving joint research in areas like AI, genomics, quantum computing, and much more. Thirdly, our nations are committed to taking aggressive action to meet the threats of climate change. Next week, I'll be hosting the Climate Leaders Summit, which Prime Minister Suga also plans to attend, thankfully, to rally key nations of the world 
to making ambitious climate commitments in the lead-up to Glasgow summit later this year. Japan and the United States are both committed to achieving net-zero emissions by 2050, and we know to do that will require setting and meeting our 2030 goals. And we'll work together to advance clean energy technologies and help nations throughout the Indo-Pacific region, especially developing countries, develop renewable energies and decarbonize their economies. And finally, both Prime Minister Suga and I value the incredible partnership that exists, not just between our governments, but between the Japanese people and the American peoples. Last month, we jointly marked the 10th year anniversary of the earthquake, tsunami, and nuclear disaster that cost so many lives in Japan. I visited the area shortly after it happened. In our private lunch, the Vice President, the, Pre the Prime Minister and I talked about when I was Vice President visiting the families in the region to show support of the United States. We continue to mourn the loss of all those folks and to honor the extraordinary joint effort between Japan and the American people in the wake of that tragedy to recover and to rebuild. And those personal bonds of friendship and connection, they're the ones who are going to keep this alliance strong and vibrant for decades to come. And I'm especially proud that today we agreed to resume what we call, what is called the Mansfield Fellowship Program to promote people-to-people -people connections between our countries. Before Mike Mansfield, who was a beloved ambassador to Japan, became ambassador, he was a mentor of mine when I came to the Senate after my wife and daughter were killed. And he helped me along in ways I can't even explain in the United States Senate. And I'm proud. I'm proud that this legacy continues to be honored as part of the close, enduring partnership between our nations. And Yossi, I know how proud you are of the people of Japan are. And uh, you've got a Japanese boy coming over here, and guess what? He won the Masters. He won the Masters. He won the green jacket. And Matsuyama was the first Japanese player to take home that green jacket at the Masters Tournament this week. So let me say congratulations, Japan, as well, on that feat. Mr. Prime Minister, thank you for making the trip. I look forward to all that Japan and the United States will accomplish together in the coming years. It was a great honor having you as the first head of state in my administration. The floor is yours. この度国場新党デイシーへの訪問実現できたことを大変嬉しく思います。温かく迎えいただいたバイデン大統領とハリス副大統領に心から感謝申し上げます。そして準備にご尽力をいただいたすべてのベース政府関係者の皆様に礼
In light of the current regional situation and the severe security environment, the importance of our alliance has reached new heights. Based on such common recognition, at today's summit, we engaged in far-reaching and candid exchange of views on each other's political principles, challenges faced in each of our nations, our common vision, and other matters. President Biden and I reaffirmed the recognitions confirmed at the Japan-US 2 plus 2 held last month and agreed to engage in initiatives for the region based upon such recognitions. We also discussed the free and open Indo-Pacific. We agreed that while Japan and the US will take the lead to promote the vision through concrete efforts, we will also cooperate with other countries and regions, including the ASEAN, Australia, and India. We also had serious talks on China's influence over the peace and prosperity of the Indo-Pacific and the world at large. We agreed to oppose any attempts to change the status quo by force or coercion in the East and South China Seas and intimidation of others in the region. At the same time, we agreed on the necessity for each of us to engage in frank dialogue with China and, in so doing, to pursue stability of international relations while upholding universal values. On North Korea, we confirmed our commitment to the CVID of all weapons of mass destruction and ballistic missiles of all ranges and agreed to demand North Korea to fulfill its obligations under Security Council resolutions. On the issue of abduction, we reaffirmed that it is a grave human rights issue and that our two countries will work together to seek immediate resolution by North Korea. Encountering North Korea and for the peace and prosperity of the Indo-Pacific, both of us recognize that trilateral cooperation, including the ROK, has never been as important as today and agreed to promote such collaboration. Noting that the regional security environment has become increasingly severe, the deterrence and response capabilities of our alliance must be strengthened. I conveyed my resolve to reinforce Japan's defense capabilities while President Biden again demonstrated America's commitment to the defense of Japan, including the application of Article 5 of the Japan-U.S. Treaty of Mutual Cooperation and Security for the Senkaku Islands. 
We also agreed to accelerate the review underway between our two countries on the specific means to strengthen our alliance. At the same time, from the perspective of mitigating the impact on local communities, including first and foremost Okinawa, we agreed to promote the realignment of the U.S. forces in Japan, including the relocation of air station Futema to Henoko, which is the only solution to avoid its permanent use. In responding to the unprecedented crisis faced by the international community, such as COVID-19 and climate change, Japan and the U.S. are mutually indispensable partners. President Biden and I share the recognition that our two nations bear significant responsibilities to lead multilateral initiatives toward the resolution of such issues. In this context, we agree to respect international order based upon multilateralism and the rule of law while exercising joint leadership to build back better our global community. Based on such outcome of our meeting today, we are releasing the Japan-U.S. Joint Leaders Statement, Global Partnership for a New Era, which will serve as the guiding post for our alliance in the times ahead, which strongly demonstrates our solidarity towards the realization of a free and open Indo-Pacific. From the perspective of our two nations leading efforts to build back better, President Biden and I agreed on the Japan-U.S. core partnership and confirmed to promote cooperation in common priority areas, including promotion of competitiveness and innovation in digital science and technology, COVID-19 countermeasures, green growth, and climate change. On competitiveness and innovation, under the recognition that digital economy and new technologies in particular will bring about social transformation and huge economic opportunities, we have agreed that Japan and the U.S. will work together on the promotion of R&D on various areas, including digital area and others. Regarding response to COVID-19, from short-term responses to longer-term efforts, including the preparations for future similar incidents, we will work on the promotion of multi-layered corporations regarding the overall supply of vaccines and the reinforcement of Japan-U.S. public and private cooperation in the area of global health. We confirmed that cooperations between our governments will continue. In order to ensure equitable access to vaccines, including access by developing countries, multilateral and regional cooperations will be promoted. On the matter of climate change, at the upcoming climate summit to be hosted by the U.S. next week or at COP26 and beyond, we confirmed that Japan and the U.S. will lead the global decarbonization. In order to 
further strengthen cooperation in areas such as the implementation of the Paris Agreement, clean energy technologies, or decarbonization transition of developing countries, I agreed with President Biden to launch climate partnership on ambition, decarbonization, and clean energy. Under these initiatives, I wish to give impetus to concrete and comprehensive Japan-U.S. corporations. I discussed the increase of discriminations or violences against Asian people across the U.S. with President Biden and agreed that discrimination by race cannot be permitted in any societies. We agreed on this regard. President Biden's uh, comment that discriminations and violences cannot be allowed and that he firmly opposes was extremely encouraging for me, and I have renewed my confidence in American democracy once again. I told the President about my determination to realize the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games this summer as a symbol of a global unity. President Biden once again expressed his support for this determination. Japan is listening to and learning from WHO and experts doing everything possible to contain infection and to realize safe and secure games from scientific and objective perspectives. We will do our utmost in our preparation. Freedom, democracy, human rights, rule of law. As we firmly defend and uphold these universal values that Japan and the U.S. share, I look forward to the actual implementation of the outcomes of today's significant meeting and to realize a free and open Indo-Pacific by further collaboration and deeper cooperation with Joe. I once again express my heartfelt gratitude for the kind invitation. Thank you. Uh, now we'll each take a few questions, and uh, I'll begin by recognizing the Associated Press. Amir, you have the first question. There you are. Uh, thank you, Mr. President, and thank you, Mr. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr. President, in your last press conference, you said successful presidents prioritize, and that you were focusing your agenda on one thing at a time. And I'd like to just ask you, what would you say to many of Americans uh, who voted for you about the legislative progress on gun control and police reform, uh, having to wait while you pursue infrastructure? Um, given that we continue to see these incidents uh, with mass shootings uh, and also police-involved shootings, including the incident that a lot of us saw in Chicago most recently, do you feel any need to reprioritize your agenda? I've never not prioritized this. No one has worked harder to deal with the violence used by individuals using weapons than I have. I'm the only one ever to have passed an assault weapons ban. I'm the only one that ever got a 10-year ban on assault weapons and clips of more than 10 bullets immediately upon 
us becoming an office, having an attorney general. I asked him to put together the things I could do by executive order, including dealing with new guns that can be made. You can buy in pieces and put together and other uh, and, uh, and other initiatives. I strongly support I strongly support the universal background checks, which I continue to push. The Congress has to step up and act. The Senate has to act. And I strongly support and continue and never stop supporting the ban on assault weapons and magazines that hold more than 10, 10 bullets. It doesn't mean that I can't also be working at the same time on the economy and on COVID. But it's not a question of my being able to set the agenda in the Senate as to what they will move to first. And so I continue and I strongly, strongly urge my Republican friends in the Congress who even refused to bring up the House passed bill to bring it up now. This has to end. It's a national embarrassment. It is a national embarrassment what's going on. And it's not only these mass shootings that are occurring. Every single day, every single day, there's a mass shooting in, this, in the United States if you count all those who were killed out on the streets of our cities and our rural areas. It's a national embarrassment and must come to an end. And one last thing, the folks who own weapons, the folks who own guns, they support universal background checks. The majority of them think we should not be selling assault weapons. Who in God's name needs a weapon that can hold 100 rounds or 40 rounds or 20 rounds? It's just wrong. And I'm not going to give up till it's done. You have a question you want to offer? I'm not a question. <laughs> I recognize someone, Mr. Prime Minister. Uh, And also, were there discussions on Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region human rights issue? Grave concern is shared by the two countries, but Japan is the only G7 country that has not imposed sanctions on China. Were you able to gain President Biden's understanding towards such position? As we engaged in exchange of views over the regional situation, We also discussed the circumstances in Taiwan and Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region as well. I refrain from mentioning details since it pertains to diplomatic exchanges. But there is already an agreed recognition over the importance of peace and stability of the Taiwan Straits between Japan and the United States, which was reaffirmed on this occasion. I also 
explained Japan's position and initiatives regarding the situation in Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region to the President, who I think understood my points. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.